Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. Father God, I thank you so much that you loved us so much that you sent your one and only son, Jesus, to die in our place on that cross. Father God, I pray that we never become desensitized to just how incredible that is. Lord God, I pray that we remember always, every single day, how great the news is that you sent Jesus to die for us. Lord God, I pray that if there's anyone in this place today who feels far from you, who feels disconnected from you, or maybe even has a little bit of a hard heart at the moment, God, I pray that they encounter your amazing presence this morning. Because Lord God, we know that an encounter with you can change everything in a moment. So Lord God, I pray that you show up in a glorious way this morning. May there be a spirit of revelation in this place. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, say it again. Amen. Amen. Woo. Well, I don't know about you, but I am pumped to be in the house of God. Like I said, my name is Matt. Um, We have amazing pastors here at Bright Church. Pastor Ben, Pastor Sarah, they are incredible. Give them a hand. Give them a clap. They sacrifice. They do so much for us. And a lot of it you guys don't see. I get a little bit of insight into it. I get to see a little bit of it. And they are just amazing people. And we are so blessed to have them. And they are taking us into a new season as a church. The theme for this year is called Be Bold. How's that going for you guys? How's that going? (laughs) Are you still wearing the wristbands? Have you still got it on? I've got mine on. But you kind of got to remind yourself sometimes (laughs) that I'm supposed to be being bold. That is our theme this year. That's what God is doing. He wants us to step out. He wants us to get uncomfortable. Why? Well, because there is a world out there that is crying out for Jesus. And if we don't take the good news to them, who is? It is our mission, it is our calling to be bold, to get out there and make a difference in this community. But I feel like sometimes the busyness of life, put up your hand if you're busy. Some people are not that busy. (laughs) You should sign up to serve on our dream team. (laughs) (laughs) but hey seriously like life is busy life gets hectic life gets tough Um, stuff can happen and um, a lot of us here this morning maybe are Christians right we would say yep we believe in God we are Christians and maybe when we first gave our life to God it was really clear what he wanted us to do Okay, so the call, the purpose that he gave us in that moment was very clear. And we knew where we were supposed to be headed. We knew what we were supposed to do. But what happens is over time, life happens, stuff happens. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is for you, but stuff can happen. And before you know it, you're disorientated. You've lost sight of what it's all about. You've lost sight of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That can seriously happen. It can happen to the best of us. It can happen to all of us. It happens to lots of Christians. So I'm, the name of my message, what I'm going to be speaking about today is simply recalibrate. It's time for us to recalibrate. It is time for us as Christians to come back to what it is all about. 
Who here knows what the word recalibrate means? Some people. There's a few different definitions. I'm going to give you um, like the normal one, and then I'm going to go a little bit deeper and give you the science one. <coughs> yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Um, so firstly, to recalibrate, what does that mean? Well, it is to orientate yourself again, simply put. That's what Google told me anyway. So orientate yourself again. If you're headed in the wrong direction, if you're a little bit off, you just get back on track, okay? Now, I'm a science teacher, so I love this word, calibrate. In science, if you're doing an experiment, you need to calibrate the instrument. Why? Because if you don't, then the, the, the results that you're getting on that instrument, say you're weighing something, it's going to be a little bit off or a little bit off-center. And then you're going to start drawing conclusions from the data and the, and the stuff that you're getting, and, and, and it's going to be off. It's not going to be in line. It's not going to be where it's supposed to be. If you are a great scientist and you come up with a great hypothesis and you measure it and you do it and you get all your results and you draw conclusions, you could go through all of that work, but then if the little instrument wasn't calibrated correctly, it could all just be a complete waste of time because you spent all of your effort doing stuff, but you've just been a little bit off, heading in a little bit of the wrong direction. So it's so important that we calibrate the instrument. As Christians, it is so important that we measure ourselves sometimes against a standard. To calibrate an instrument, you measure it against a standard so that you know that the results that you are getting are actually accurate. So as Christians, or maybe I should just ask you, what do you measure yourself against? What's your standard? Do you even think about it? I want to read to you one of the greatest passages in the Bible, I would say. It's out of the book of Matthew. What a great book that is. It's got a great name anyway. So I'm going to take you to Matthew chapter 22. Why? Because I believe that it is in this chapter that Jesus gives us a standard or a way of living that we as Christians are to come back to, to calibrate ourselves. So if you have your Bibles, who has your Bible? Anyone? A few people, the righteous ones. Who's got their phone? Good enough. Get it out in your phone. We're going to Matthew chapter 22. Um, so Matthew chapter 22, if I can just find it here. Awesome. Awesome. So we're going to be reading from verse 34 through to 46. A fair few verses, so buckle yourselves in. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, and that is Jesus, so Jesus has silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, it's bad enough that you're a Pharisee. This guy's a Pharisee lawyer. And this guy thinks he's pretty good. He thinks he's pretty smart. Um, So he puts Jesus to the test. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, now listen, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and all the prophets. Now, I'm just going to stop there for a moment and just explain. That's massive. If you are loving God with everything, 
And if you are loving your neighbor as yourself, in doing so, you are fulfilling all 613 commandments. All of them. They all come under that. They all flow from that. And then it goes on to say this. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question saying, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. He said to them, how is it then that David in the spirit calls him Lord saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day did anyone dare ask him any more questions. So Jesus just totally put them all in their place, which is great. I, lo- I love that about Jesus. He's got to, yeah, go Jesus, go Jesus. They put him to the test and it totally just backfires on them and he ends up putting them in their place. That's the type of God that we serve. He's witty. Um, now, the Pharisees, they had become disorientated. They had become caught up with all of the rules, with all of the stuff that they were supposed to be doing. And when you read into it, it makes sense why the Pharisees were like this, because you've got to understand that their heritage, where they came from, were a people who continued to make bad choices, which led to curses and really bad things happening. So from the Pharisees' point of view, they were like, well, we have a really bad past where we kind of went away from God and that led to really, really bad stuff and we kind of broke the rules and everything went really, really, really badly. So if we follow every single little little itty-bitty rule and we do all that, then we're going to be really blessed and everything's going to go really, really, really well. And that's all good, I guess, but if you lose the why behind why you're doing what you're doing, then what's the point? Do you really think our God is so superficial and stuff that he just wants you to obey the rules to obey the rules? Why do we do? Why do we do it? Why do we obey the rules? Why do we follow the commandments? The Pharisees had lost the why and because of that they had walked away from the most important thing. And that is to love God with everything and to love people. The Pharisees had started... They, looked at, they wanted to know what are the weightier matters of the law and what are the lighter matters of the law. And the Pharisees were so caught up with all these little rules and all these little things that hey, they had just forgotten to love people. The first thing we've got to do as Christians if we are to recalibrate ourselves is we need to come back to loving people. We need to love people well. How do you know that you're a part of the kingdom of God? Well, maybe it's in how well we love one another. If the world sees a church that loves people in just a self-sacrificing real way, wouldn't they want to be a part of it? Wouldn't they want to come to church when you invite them? Maybe they're just looking to see a little bit more love. Maybe we just need to love a little bit better. But as Christians, we are called to follow commandments and the teachings of Jesus. And now this is where things get a little bit complicated. And the reason I say that is because we are living in 2019. It's been 2,000 years since Jesus was around. And what happens is, um, especially a lot of the new generation, I guess, a lot of people my age that I meet with and I talk to, um, when they look at the Bible, they kind of think, is that really relevant today? But seriously, even people who are Christians... Christians, they believe in Jesus, they believe in God. But they look at the Bible and the commandments of Jesus and, and sometimes they think, oh, yeah, but 
we don't actually really have to follow that now. Isn't that a bit outdated? Is it really as significant now as it was then? In fact, I remember being in Alpha um, at the end of last year. By the way, Alpha is an amazing um, course that you need to do. You need to do. Um, And if you are someone who's been a Christian for a long time, then you need to bring someone who doesn't know Jesus along to Alpha. We run Alpha every single term, and we are running Alpha next term. So if you haven't done Alpha, why don't you bring a friend along, and we're going to have an amazing time together. Um, but I was speaking to this guy in Alpha, and Alpha is an awesome, it's an awesome thing because you can ask these questions, any question you want to ask. Sometimes people come to church and they have these questions, but they just feel like they can't really ask them. And that's, that's just the way it is, guys. But that's why Alpha is so great, because you can ask whatever question you want. If you've got an issue with something, you've got a problem with something, if you don't believe in God because there's a blockage, there's a question that hasn't been answered, and you feel a bit afraid to ask it, Alpha is the place to ask those questions. So if you have a friend or someone in your life who has some issues with the Bible, or maybe some issues with Jesus, invite them along to Alpha. They can ask their questions and just let God take care of the rest. But I was speaking to this guy, and the topic was on the Bible. And um, <laughs> it was really funny, because this guy, we, I love chatting with this guy, and he loved to chat. Any small group leaders in the house who have some people in their small groups who just love to chat? Yeah. Like, small group runs from 7.30 to 9, but these people, they keep you up till 12. <laughs> They're great people. It's awesome. That's ministry. But... um. I was chatting to this guy, and it, we just had, we were just talking about the Bible. That was the topic for that alpha. And he said to me, well, I was talking to him, and it kind of got onto the topic of relationships. But I'd, I had recently gotten into a relationship with Amy. We'd been together for a little while. She was, she was actually worship leading this morning. How awesome was she? Yeah. yeah, she was awesome. Where is she? She's up there. But I was talking to this guy about my relationship with Amy, and he was talking to me about his relationships with lots of girls <laughs> and he believed in Jesus like he was on fire for God this guy but he was a fresh Christian he was new and he didn't really read his Bible much so we started talking and then I got onto the topic of bear with me now sex okay so this guy was like oh so have you slept with your girlfriend and I was like no he's like oh really you've been together for ages and I was like yeah and he's like, oh, why not? And I'm like, well, mate, because when I look at the Bible and I read it, what I read is that sex is an amazing thing, but it is only safe and powerful, and God made it to be under the covenant commitment of marriage. And I said that to him, and I said, that is my belief. And I don't just believe that because I believe in just following what God says, but I actually believe that God puts that in there to protect us because it, what help, it helps people flourish. It helps his people flourish. It's good for our souls. It's good for us. And he was just like, wait, what? What? No way. Are you serious? People actually do that? And I'm like, yeah, man. I'm a follower of Jesus. Yeah, like seriously, when I read this stuff, I, I think that I should probably follow it. I don't think it's just in there to kind of restrict me and bind me. I believe it's in there for me. It's for me. And this guy just didn't really understand that. So before we go any further with following this commandment that Jesus gave us, we need to understand something about it. 
And that is that following these commandments and following the commandments of Jesus are good for us. They actually fulfill the deepest longings of human beings made in the image of God to glorify him. And it sounds good because I read it in a commentary on this. Seriously. We are made, we are new creations in Jesus, in Christ. And we are made to follow these commandments. When we don't do it, when we go away from that, we can actually start to feel really just not right. Have you ever felt that way before? Have you ever gone a bit off the track and something's just not right? I've been there. I've been there. And we've got to come back to this commandment. Why do we got to come back to it? Well, because this thing helps orientate ourselves. And when we are living this way, when we are loving God with everything, when we are loving our neighbor as ourselves, it's not only a good idea, but it actually fulfills the deepest longings inside of you because you were made in the image of God to glorify him. So I want to ask you this question. Where is your love for God at right now? How are you going at loving people? Who is the most important person in your life? God, people, or you? Because I'm going to be honest and say that a lot of the time, for me, it's me. And I'm just being honest. Because it's so easy to come back to that and just to put ourselves first and forget that we're actually here not for ourselves We're not the main character in our story. Jesus is. We actually find life not when we live for ourselves, but when we serve people and when we serve God. We need to reorientate ourselves. We need to calibrate ourselves. We need to come back to loving God with everything and also loving people. I just want to come back to this part. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your Mind. Now, if you go to Luke, which is um, pretty much the exact same story, just told in a different way, he adds strength. And then when you go to Deuteronomy, and Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy here, um, in Deuteronomy it says might. Why the heck would, <laughs> why the heck do you have to love God with all your strength and might? Because when I watch Tally, when I watch Married at First Sight, You don't need to put might and strength into it. If you're sexually attracted to that person, then that is love. It's feelings. Doesn't the world tell us that about love? It's feelings. That's that's what they tell us. That's what I see anyway. That's what I was told ever since I was little, except for in church, the place I was trying to get away from. (laughs) I'm back now, though. I love you, Jesus. Um, But seriously, our world... Your kids who are growing up in this world, they're growing up in a world who will tell them that love is feelings-based, that feelings is the most important thing. Now, Jesus does add in here all of your heart and stuff like that. So, yeah, that, that, that comes into it, definitely. But you've got to love God with all your might and with all of your strength. Why? Because there's going to be moments in your life where you're going to have to make a decision to love God. You're actually going to have to choose to love God because love is more than a feeling. Love is a choice. And if you're going to have the relationship with God that he wants you to have, sometimes it's going to take you making a choice and making a stand and saying, you know what, God, even though I don't feel you, even though my prayer hasn't been answered, even though I'm sick and I'm not healed yet, even though 
There's people in my life who are sick and haven't been healed. Even though I'm going through this really tough, this really tough season and I don't know where breakthrough is going to come from, I'm going to choose to love you. That's the type of love that Jesus is commanding us to love God with. And that takes strength and that takes might. It isn't always easy and I am guilty. But I actually, I did this pretty well the other day on Friday night of loving someone in my life, Amy, my fiance, with all of my strength. Now, you want to know what loving someone with all of your strength looks like, people? It looks like going to the movies and seeing the chick flick five feet apart. Now, men, I tell you right now, (laughs) sometimes you've got to love the person in your life that God has given you with all of your strength, and that means self-sacrifice. And that means seeing a chick flick with your woman, okay? Seriously, that is loving someone with all of your strength. Why? Because it's not self-seeking. It's not self-seeking. You're saying, you know what? I believe God has given you to me. Um, I have a responsibility to look after you and to love you. And hey, I just want to hang out with you. And even though this movie's going to (laughs) suck, I'm going to strap myself in because, baby, I love you. And I tell you what, something really funny happens... The funny thing about it is um, it was actually one of the best movies we've seen for a while, wasn't it? It's funny how that happens. <laughs> Most of the movies I want to see, I'm really pumped to see them beforehand. I'm like, oh, babe, this is going to be awesome. Then we get in there and we walk out and I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry about that. That was terrible. <laughs> I took it to see Alien Covenant once. That was before. <laughs> I kid you not. That was when I was self-seeking person. It's terrible. But, man, that movie was actually really, really good. And that, that's, that's what love takes sometimes. You've got to love with all your strength and all of your might. And that's a pretty, that's a pretty, uh, let's be honest, that's a bit of a dodgy example. Let's, let's, let's use a better one. You know, there's this one in the Bible. I don't know if you've come across it before. But it's the one where Jesus, when he goes to the cross, and he dies for you, while you were a sinner and you did nothing to deserve it. That is what love looks like. And Jesus, you know what? It was hard. He didn't wake up that morning thinking, oh man, I'm so pumped to go to the cross today and get crucified. No, he wasn't thinking that. In fact, it was so bad that in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was praying before it, He was praying to his Father in heaven, saying, Father, if there's any other way, if there is any other way, please take this cup away from me. This cup is the wrath of God on all sin. Jesus was about to become sin on that cross for you, and all sin was about to be defeated, but it wasn't going to be easy. It was so bad that Jesus sweated blood. How bad must have he been feeling? But what made him do it? Because he loved God with everything, with absolutely everything. Such an extravagant love that when his father in heaven asked him to do things that didn't feel great, he did them anyway. That's how incredible that love was. A love so incredible that while he was on that cross dying, and how would you be feeling being crucified, who people that you came to save? I would be giving it to him from the cross, (laughs) laying into him. What was Jesus doing? He prayed 
Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. What type of an extravagant, amazing love is that? Imagine if we could love God and love people just to the just to a small percentage, one percent of that type of love. Imagine the impact that Bright Church can have if we love God and love people to just a fraction of the amount of what Jesus loved God with and what Jesus loved people with. I believe that's how we recalibrate ourselves. We come back to love. We come back to loving God and we come back to loving people with everything that we've got. But, um, hey, we ain't perfect. And we can't get it right all the time. Yeah? True? And there's two ways to look at this commandment that Jesus gave us. There's one way which isn't going to bring any real good fruit and it isn't going to lead to anything that good. But there's another way that leads to great things. Now, the first way is looking at this commandment like a law to rule over you. And look at it kind of like how the Pharisees looked at all the laws that they had in their time. Now, if we look at this commandment that Jesus gave us as a law to rule over us, then every time we stuff it up, every time we get it wrong, we're just going to head off in the wrong direction. We're going to give up. We're going to have a meltdown. But if we look at this commandment that Jesus gave us as direction for our lives, then it's going to be different. When you get it wrong, you're going to just keep charging forward. When you get it wrong, you're going to remember, hey, Jesus died for me. I'm saved by grace, not by works. I'm saved by grace through faith, and then I'm going to continue to go forward. And that's going to bring great fruit. We have to remember that the commandments are not there to rule us, but they're there to direct us. And that is so important. We need to look at this commandment in that way. If we look at it in that way, then we are going to get to where God wants us to get to. Did you know that God has a plan for you? Did you know that right now in this place, you may think that you've done what you needed to do as a Christian? You you could think that, oh yeah, I'm just living my life and whatever, whatever, I'm saved, it's all good. Did you know that God actually has a plan to use you? And even though you are where you are, he wants to take you somewhere better. He has a plan for your life. And it probably looks a little bit like this, becoming more like Jesus. He wants to take you somewhere. And you're going to get to that place, not through works, not through obeying stuff in the Bible as law, but by using this commandment as direction for your life. If you can focus on loving God with everything and loving people, trust me, you're going to get there. I like to think of it like Google Maps. Who uses Google Maps? I need Google Maps in my life. People tell me guys are supposed to have great... um, I don't know, they're just supposed to know where they're supposed to be going all the time and they're supposed to never get lost and stuff like that. But that is so not true for me. I'm useless on the roads. I'm all right driver, pretty safe. But my sense of direction is pretty terrible and I really rely on Google Maps. Now, there's something about Google Maps that I really, really appreciate. And that is, and this actually happened last night, that is that when you plug in your direction in Google Maps and it's directing you, like in 100 metres, take the second exit at the roundabout or whatever, if you stuff it up, If you take the wrong turn, Google Maps doesn't go, you got it wrong, you suck, you're a loser, go home, you're not going out tonight. (laughs) And I'm so happy Google Maps doesn't do that. What does Google Maps do? It recalibrates you, doesn't it? Yeah. It puts you on another path to get to where you need to get to. Sometimes it will take you back on the path that it originally wanted you to go on, but sometimes a new path is created. Either way, you end up where you wanted to go. 
Sometimes it takes a bit longer. Sometimes you get frustrated, really frustrated. <laughs> um, and sometimes it's, it's tough, but you still end up getting to where you need to go. If you make this a primary focus of your life, loving God with everything and loving people as yourself, I tell you, you are going to get to where God wants you to get to. And yeah, you're going to make mistakes. Yeah, you're going to stuff it up. Even Pastor Ben, even he makes mistakes. And he's an absolute... Eh, oh, maybe not. Maybe not Pastor Ben. Maybe, maybe Zach. He makes a few mistakes. <laughs> it's pretty almost perfect though. But like seriously, everyone makes mistakes. We all stuff up. That's what we all got in common here. Some people look at the church as like, oh, that's where all the righteous people are. Hello, we're all the people who understand that we don't have it all together. We're the people who understand that we are sinners and we need a saviour. Do you need a saviour? Amen. I know I do. And sometimes we're going to make mistakes in our life. Sometimes we're going to stuff it up. But we need to come back to this great commandment. Now, when I was reading this passage... Something just exploded off the page to me when I was reading it. And that was that Jesus never brought it up. The only reason we have this here is because we had a Pharisee trying to put him to the test. And what did the Pharisee want to know? He wanted to know, what do I have to do to enter into eternal life and we find that at Luke bear with me we're going to get to the point in a second so I'm going to go to Luke right now and in Luke verse 25 it says this and behold a lawyer stood up to put him to the test saying teacher what shall I do to inherit eternal life the Pharisee was trying to figure out or what do we have to do what do we have to do what are the laws how do, I, how do we get to eternal life? What do we have to do, 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 do? He needed to recalibrate. He needed to reorientate himself because the crazy thing is he is asking eternal life in the flesh. What do I have to do to get eternal life? How crazy is that? Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the promised king is standing there and you have these, this bunch of people who are so caught up with or the only way that we're going to get saved, the only way we're going to enter into the kingdom of God is going to th- be through works and doing stuff. That's what their mind is so set on. So when they are presented with the Messiah, with the risen king, Christ, eternal life in the flesh, all they can think about is, oh, what do I have to do? They needed recalibrating these Pharisees. They had become so fixated on works that when their salvation was right in front of them, they didn't see it. And as Christians, believe it or not, I seriously think this, sometimes we can get over-familiar with the simplicity and the beauty of the gospel message, and that is that Jesus came, Jesus came to die on a cross for our sin, When God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Jesus when you make a decision to follow him. Just doing good stuff all the time, just doing, 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 it's not going to please him anymore. He already is completely and utterly in love with you. When he looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus if you've made a decision to follow him and you've given him everything. But sometimes I feel as though we go, oh, it's not really enough. 
It's not really enough. The gospel isn't enough. The good news isn't enough. As Christians, we can become over-familiar. And we can get into this weird mindset where we feel like we need to earn something. We feel like we need to do something. And that just leads to bondage. That just leads to restriction. But we need to lean more into the grace of God. The grace of God. I want to read to you what comes after the great commandment in Matthew chapter 22. So Jesus has just given the great commandment to this Pharisee who's asking, what is the greatest commandment? How do we enter into eternal life? And Jesus is like, well, this is what you need to do. You need to love God perfectly. You need to love your neighbor as yourself. You need to get it right. And I think this Pharisee realized pretty quickly that, "Uh uh-oh, I don't do that all the time. I don't think I can do that. I'm in trouble. And then in Luke, we see that Jesus gives on to give a great illustration of what it looks like to love your neighbor as yourself. And I think Jesus realizes that these Pharisees have their eyes and their hearts fixated on the wrong thing, which is going to bring them eternal life. He realizes that they need to get their eyes off what they need to do and onto who they need to know. This morning, we need to go away. We need to forget about what we need to do and we need to come back to who we need to know. Jesus says right after after the great commandment, now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question. So after he'd just given them this great commandment, this is the question that Jesus brings up. He says, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? Now, why would Jesus be bringing up who is the Christ? Because Jesus understands that there is nothing that they can do which is going to earn them eternal life, that is going to earn them salvation. But he understands that what they need more than anything is the Christ. What he understands is what they need more than anything, which is what we need more than anything, is a relationship with the Father through knowing Jesus. He brings their attention. He brings their focus, which is off, back to who is the Christ. And who was the Christ? Jesus was. He was right there all along. Sometimes we can get so caught up with everything that is going on in our lives Sometimes we can get so confused. Sometimes we feel as though we need to earn something or we need to do something. Sometimes we feel like the only way that we're going to advance in the kingdom of God is by doing all of this great stuff. Sometimes our hearts get out of place. Sometimes we forget the reason why we do what we do. At the end of the day, it all comes back to who is the Christ. At the end of the day, it all comes back to Jesus. It all comes back to Jesus. It's all about relationship. It's all about a relationship with Jesus. When your relationship with Jesus is on on point, when it is on point, when you're focusing on that, I tell you, good fruit, worse, can kind of just flow from that space. When you get under the grace of God and you live from that place, then great stuff can flow out of that. But if you step out of the waterfall of grace... If you step away from that place and start to think that, oh, I've made mistakes in my life, oh, I've stuffed up, am I really saved? You can start to beat yourself up and all of a sudden you're working from a works-based mentality and you're going to see no fruit, you're going to be restless. That's not what God wants for you. 
That's not what God wants for you. He wants us to come back to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. I have this kind of pattern in my life that I want to break. And that is, I go through these seasons or these times where I kind of forget that it's all about Jesus. And it's not like I walk away from God or anything like that, even though I have done that before. But since I've been back, there can be these moments and there can be these times where I'm just doing stuff for the sake of doing stuff. And I forget what it's all about. And all of a sudden, I find myself really worn out. All of a sudden, I find myself in the wrong headspace. And I'm like, God, what's going on? God, what is happening? Why do I feel this way? Why don't I have the same passion now as I did before? What is going on? And what, I, what He always tells me, what always comes up is, you forgot that it's all about relationship. You forgot that it's all about me and you, man. Like we're supposed to be hanging out. You're supposed to be falling more and more in love with me. In that place, great things come. But it's very easy in the business of life with everything going on for us to step out of that place or to move away from that place. So what I do now is I make sure that I plan a time every single day where I just hang out with Jesus. Where I just go in, we have a room in my house, I shut the door, I put on some music, I open up this amazing book, I start to pray. And just the sense of God in that place, just hearing God's voice and just meditating in His Word, my heart just fills up. And my love for God just goes deeper and deeper and deeper. It's all about relationship. Where's your relationship with God at? I said before that our theme for this year is to be bold. It's going to be really hard for us to be bold and to step out and to do the great things that God has for us if if our relationship with God isn't where it should be. If we are loving God with everything and if we are loving people as ourselves, then we will be bold. We won't have to try. It will be a lifestyle. Because when you love God with everything, when you love people like yourself, you can't just sit back and do nothing as the world out there goes to crap. Let's be real about it. You can't. Because loving people means that you are going to get out there and get out there and you're going to tell them that, hey, there is this great, great news. And the news is that Jesus came. And he died for you on a cross. And you have access to an amazing relationship with God. What do you have to do to earn it? Nothing. You just need to make a decision. You need to accept the gift of grace. You need to say that, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. And I give you my heart. I give you my everything. Just by doing that, just by accepting the truth, just by accepting that, people's lives are changed. And if that doesn't move you, if you don't want to go out there and spread that word, you've got to ask yourself, where is your love for God at today? Where is your love for people today? Maybe you need to come back to your relationship with God. Maybe you need to recalibrate. Measure yourself up against this standard. Is this directing your life at the moment? Or is other stuff directing your life? What's the most important thing in your life? Is loving God and loving people? Or has other stuff taken that place? Has other stuff taken the throne of your life? Is Jesus everything to you? Or 
Is your job everything to you? Is money everything to you? Is platform everything to you? Is importance everything to you? Is your family everything to you? All these things will fight to take that spot in your life that belongs to Jesus. Because when Jesus is in that place, when you seek first the kingdom, everything is added to you. Amazing things start to happen. Why don't you close your eyes? Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.